Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. And yes, sir, Bob, we are one day early, but I guess that's better than one day late. Uh, tonight we're going to be in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 17. Uh, a lot of allegory in this book, a lot of different uh, commentaries on this book. Uh, a lot of different thought on what everything means. Now, uh, something that I found interesting in um, in my uh, study and all the different commentaries, two words being may and could, such as this may mean this or this could mean that. Okay, so uh, Remember, this is talking about future events. This is not talking about something that has happened. So it, it goes, you figure that it's going to be somebody's well thought out, uh, opinion, but it is not, again, necessarily, uh, fact. Like, it's factual. People, there were, there was, I believe more than 500 people who uh, witnessed Jesus after the resurrection. This is yet to happen, so there isn't that sort of witness. So, what do you do in this uh, instance? You know, when you can't really say, hmm, "That was interesting," flew right by. And when you really can't can't uh, say this is it for sure, well, what do you do? You you depend upon the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to do tonight. So, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this word that you have given us and the opportunity to study it. Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon us. Uh, open our hearts and our minds to your word. We know, again, that this is really sort of a, uh, a tough chapter to uh, teach on, but Lord, you're in charge and we're not. So open our uh, pea brains and help us to understand what you have for us here tonight. Keep me out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, we even had a little fly thing come through here, huh? What's that? Oh, one of the plagues. Yeah, it was a locust. <laughs> See, we're we're on it. My my producer director and my assistant producer director are here tonight, so we're we're really on it. Okay. So let's start. Verse one says, "Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked to me, saying to me, come." I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and seven horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not 
and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five had fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet but they will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lord and king of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast, until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. That's where we're going to stop. I think that's plenty enough. There's, again, a, a lot to go on here. But stick with me. I think we got we can have it so it'll make it so it's not so tough. Verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came, talk, came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Uh, the great harlot uh, is identified as Babylon in verse 5, just a few verses down the way. Um, Babylon is always identified with uh, uh, being, a, being against God. Some, some place that promotes sexual immorality, uh, promotes everything ungodly. Uh, and Babylon is mentioned, uh, in the Bible. What is it? Yep. 287 times. And that's surpassed only by Jerusalem, which is mentioned over 800 times. Uh, Jerusalem is a city on the hill. Babylon is seen as being low. So we're, we're talking about the opposites. We're talking about holiness with, with Jerusalem and wickedness with Babylon. Okay. It says, who sits on many waters? Uh, as we will see here uh, in, uh, where was it? In verse 15, it talks about these waters are people's and nations and tongues. Okay, talking about the world, all again, all the peoples, all the nations, all the tongues, all the different languages, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication 
and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Okay, these kings, uh, these are people of importance and influence, not necessarily royalty, but those of importance and influence. Uh, we can see that with celebrities today. You know, there's pretty much the cult of celebrity worship, uh, where people, boy, they did this, that's really great. And what they're doing is outright sin. But because they are celebrities, it's looked upon as good, okay? Uh, and and they are the ones who have committed fornication, who are uh, immoral, uh, and especially sexually immoral, uh, with the inhabitants of the earth, and they were made drunk with that uh, wine of fornication. That's uh, going to look something... Um, something really appealing, and something that looks very spiritual. Now, just because it's spiritual doesn't mean that it's good. Uh, as we have seen there are, in, through the book of Revelation, there are evil spirits. If you have ever uh, experienced uh, spiritual warfare, and on one hand, I hope you never do, on the other hand, I hope you do, because that means you're doing something that that uh, Satan doesn't want you to do, and he's going to do everything he can to throw you off. But anyway, uh, there are evil spirits. Um, there was an interview on 60 Minutes, wow, probably 40 years ago, where they interviewed Cat Stevens. Remember that? And he changed his name to Yusuf Islam, became Muslim. And I mentioned to a guy that was working with us, about that, and I said, "Oh, that's too bad." He says, "Well, what do you mean?" He says, "Well, look what he's what he's doing here, you know." Oh, but he's really sincere. <laughs> you can be sincerely wrong. There are things that are spiritual that are not good. Again, the harlot that's being described here will be appealing and spiritual. Verse three goes on to say, "So he carried me away in." the spirit into the wilderness, carried me away in the, in the spirit. Remember, John had this same experience at the beginning in chapter one, where he was, a carried, he was carried away in the spirit. Into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which, has, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and seven horns. Okay, this woman... Uh, David Hawking puts it this way. The woman pictures false religion that will dominate the world during the tribulation period. Remember, this is what we're speaking of now. This is during the tribulation period, which, again, I believe, as a believer, that we will be raptured out of the world and not have to experience this. So then why are we looking at this? Well, for those of us who might be on the fence, this might be enough to push us over saying, hey, maybe we ought to be looking into this because I don't want to experience this stuff. Okay, so there we go. And also for us to uh, recognize what all's going on within the world. Okay, next. Sitting on the scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. This was described in chapter 13 of Revelation. I'm just going to back up there real quickly and review it. Uh, let's see, where do I have it? I, uh, do, do, do. Come on, Will. 
as described in chapter 13. Now let me see. Where did I put this? Oh yeah, there it is. And I stood in the sand of the sea, and I saw the beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Right? Okay. Walverd, one of the guys I get to look at when I'm studying this, uh, his commentary on us that her position, the the uh, the harlot, that of riding the beast, indicates on one hand that she is supported by the political power of the beast. Remember, this beast is going to be the one, the the Antichrist is ruling the world. You know, got everything going. A great political power. And on the other hand, that she has a dominant role, at least outwardly, controls and directs the beast. We'll address this a little bit later within the chapter. Okay. Verse 4, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, which, you know, purple clothing at the time, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, Lydia was a uh, believer who was a dealer in purple uh, cloth, which it, it was a pretty big deal to dye stuff, having stuff dyed purple. It was fairly expensive. So this is generally for kings and, you know, those in the hierarchy. Okay, so here she was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. Okay, again, very attractive. Having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Again, outwardly attractive, inwardly corrupt. I think many of us have experienced people of this nature uh, who look really good outwardly, uh, but when you find out how they are inside, it's a scary thing. Uh, again, you can count that on celebrities if you want to put it that way right now. Uh, you may have had an experience personally with somebody who was really, really attractive, yet uh, filthy on the inside. Verse 5, it says, On her forehead a name was written. Now, at that time, Roman prostitutes uh, uh, pretty much um, routinely wore headbands that had their name you know, engraved on them. So this is what we're talking about, the great harlot. And so this is the deal. The people who were reading this back in the first century would see, okay, as, as a harlot, which was common in, in Rome, they would have their names on these headbands. And here on this, her forehead was written, Mystery, Babylon, the great mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Just like we talked about this great harlot being described as Babylon. Um, oh, again, always associated with organized idolatry, blasphemy, and again, the persecution of God's people. And in this will be a one world, this will turn into a one world religion during the tribulation. Oh, we're all going to come together in this wonderful one world religion. We're not battling against anybody and all this kind of, oh yeah, yeah. Verse 6 goes on to say, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Obviously, this is not, this is not believers here. This is all, this is this 
this uh, perverted religion. And it shows that this is showing really the, the hatred of those who believe in Jesus. Uh, have you experienced that? Have you experienced people that once they find out that you're a believer, they uh, turn away from you? You know, I think I think all of us who are believers have had that experience. Uh, I know that some people who have uh, lost communication with family members uh, over their their belief, over being radically changed by Jesus Christ. So this is the deal. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Again, showing that hatred. And I saw her, and I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? Well, quite honestly, some of the greatest abominations against believers have come under the auspices of the church. Uh, John Hoots was a Czech theologian in the 15th century, so 14, 17, somewhere around there, who was burned at the stake because he dared to say that you were saved by grace alone. Interestingly enough, it is said that when he was burnt, being burned at the stake, that he said, well, you can burn me now, but in a 100 years, there's going to be somebody else coming to take my place. Martin Luther uh, and the Reformation that started off in 1517, okay, uh, when he nailed the 95 Thesis to the door at the Wittenberg Church, pointing out the uh, errors in the church universal at the time, the Catholic Church. Uh, Luther didn't want the Lutheran Church. He, didn't, he wanted the, the church to take care of these errors that were in there. Okay, he was set to be burned at the stake, but he got spirited off, interestingly enough. Uh, it's kind of funny because they had him stand in front of the the De the diet or diet of worms, which was a, uh, a judicial proceeding, and they said, you know, recant. To which he replied, I cannot and I will not recant. You know, here I stand, I can do no other. And he wasn't the only one. There was a lot that were going on then. But also, it, during the same time, during the 16th century, you know, Queen uh, Queen Mary... Uh, was known as Bloody Mary in England during the 16th century. Between 1555 and 58, uh, there were some 288 Christians who were burnt at the stake because of their beliefs. So think about this. The angel is saying to John, why do you marvel? Why do you marvel that we have this thing, these things that are going on? Because you can see there is a precedent. There were precedents set back then as well. Well, you think, well, <laughs> prime example is Jesus. The, the, uh, the established church at the time, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, in the Sanhedrin, what they did? They got rid of Jesus because he wasn't on the party line. Huh, how about that? So, the angel says to me, why do you marvel? I'll tell you what the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Again, we, it was described in chapter 13. The beast that you saw 
was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit to go to prediction, perdition. Pardon me. Uh, isn't that, isn't that something was and is not and will ascend? This is a perversion of the description of God, which we started off right again, uh, in, uh, chapter one, verse 19, where it talks about, we're talking about he who was and is and is to come. So this is the perversion of this. This is the beast. Okay. Who will ascend out of the bottomless pit, go to perdition, and who will dwell on earth, and, pardon me, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, and they will see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Okay, that these are the non-believers. These are the people who are not prepared. Again, what is the main thing that I believe that we bring out of the book of Revelation. It all hinges on what do you do with Jesus. Those whose names are not lit, uh, listed in the book of life will be during this tribulation time and find this. This is, they're going to be in, oh, they're going to be in awe. We'll see all this stuff. How great is the beast? But those who are written in the book of life will be prepared and not fooled. Verse 9, and here is the mind which has wisdom. Now, here's where things get a little dicey. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. This is where I have a number of different notes, so bear with me on it. Uh, many quickly associate the seven mountains with Rome and the papacy, because Rome is well known as the city on seven Hills. Here's a but, though. However, in the Bible, mountains are sometimes a figure of governments, okay? Such as in Daniel chapter 2, verse 35, where it's it's talking about, remember, Daniel also talks about the end times and talks about what all's going on. In 35, it finishes up by saying, Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, so no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Speaking of the governing body at the time, which is to come. Okay, so this is something we can think about this. Now, oh boy, 1545, Martin Luther published his last pamphlet, which was against the papacy of Rome founded by the devil. <laughs> Luther didn't, Luther would have been a really interesting guy to sit down and have a few beers with, because he was a pretty interesting guy to, who said who was not afraid to say certain things, got himself in a lot of trouble, also said some really stupid things later on in his life. Uh, but anyway, in this, in this pamphlet that he had published, he called Pope, pardon me, Pope Paul III the Antichrist. Of course, he had called Pope Leo prior to that the Antichrist as well. Why? Because this is somebody who usurped the powers of Christ, which is what he was talking about here, and that's what we talk about in here, is it's usurping the power of the church. Okay, 
Now, most recently, here it shows the tendencies for Roman Catholicism ultimate partnership with a one-world religion were evident in Pope John Paul II's bizarre involvement with and approval of anti-Christian religions. Here it is. By addressing a prayer gathering of Christians, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, and others, Pope John Paul II told participants that their efforts were unleashing profound spiritual energies in the world and bringing about a new climate of peace. Hmm. The Pope pledged that the Catholic Church intends to share and share in and promote such ecumenical and interreligious cooperation. The Catholic Review commented on this and said the unity of Religion promoted by the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, and improved by, get this, the whole, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, is not a goal to be achieved immediately, but a day will come when the love and compassion, which both Buddha and Christ preach so eloquently, will unite the world in a common effort to save humanity from senseless destruction and lead toward the light in which we all believe. This really seems to sound exactly like what we're talking about here in verse 9. Uh, again, this is not a treatise against people who are Catholic. And let me tell you a story on that. Uh, the guy I went to, to uh, high school with became a Catholic priest who ended up being a uh, a chaplain in the Air Force. And uh, as he liked Studebakers, <laughs> we did some work for him later on. And he and I had some really great conversations because at the time I was serving as a licensed deacon in the Lutheran Church. And he said, boy, he sure was glad that he didn't just get a regular uh, parish, that he was able to work with others and understand what's going on. And then he told me a story of this one well-loved priest in a certain parish that um, he was well-loved because he was hard of hearing. So when people went to confession, Father Joe or whatever his name was would, you know, bless you, my child. And, and just really, they liked it because they, he didn't put a bunch of uh, things on them for them to do. Well, there ended up being a time when there was a, a large confessional, I don't know, not being that familiar with the Roman Catholic Church, where they had all these other priests, and they are all vesting themselves, putting on their vestments prior to listening to confession. And here's Father Joe putting on his vestments, and somebody hollers from the other side of the room and says, Hey, Joe, what do you think you're doing? And Father Joe's reply was, well, I'm not the one for giving them their sins anyway. Bingo. So again, this is not a treatise against those that are Catholics, because there are also evangelical Catholics. What this is is a treatise against a corrupt hierarchy. Corrupt then, and by looking what was going on here with uh, Pope John Paul II, doesn't seem to be too much different today.
Again, these are things that are to happen. Seems like they're happening right now, though, doesn't it? It, it really does. Um, I think it's so that people that are reading this who are through the going in the tribulation can understand it, and also so we can maybe see what's going on leading into this, too. Uh, I don't want to say that this truly is just an example of the Roman Catholic Church, um, but I do say that if there is a corrupt hierarchy, uh, it needs to be questioned. And whatever, whatever church. Uh, I was accused, I was accused as being an anti-Semite, uh, by being a Lutheran because of the rotten things that Martin Luther wrote about the, about the Jews later on in life. You know, and there couldn't be anything further from the truth. But when somebody brought that up, I had to say, well, I sure am glad that uh, Luther didn't die for my sins. You know, I am a believer in Christ, and I hope you are too. Okay, here we go. Going on, verse 10. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. And in this point, it, it lists really Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia the Medo-Persian Empire, and Greece. One is, and at the time, was Rome, and another has yet to come. And this is the one world order, which is going to happen during the tribulation. Okay? And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. The beast that was and is not, is himself also the eighth and of, and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Boy, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Is the eighth and of the seven. Okay, a separate entity, separate entity in and of itself and also in unity with the seven related to. Verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet but they receive authority for one hour as the kings with the beast. Uh, this is more than likely, and this is one of those may or coulds. This is a probably. This is more than likely uh, ten, uh, a 10-nation ten um, confederation. Okay, So that's those 10 kings who will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast, being of one mind and they will give their power and their authority to the beast. Turn this over to the, to the, the Antichrist, the, uh, the leader here. But here's key, gang. This is what we need to hold on to. This is, makes all this other stuff palatable or, I don't know, uh, it brings us hope. These will make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb will do what? The Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And those who are His, us believers, you and me, right? All of us believers will are those who are called, chosen, and faithful. We are with Him. We are with Him. Guess what? All this other stuff that is scary in, in and of itself, we win. Jesus wins. Jesus conquers sin. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the power of the devil on the cross. It's done for us. We don't 
You know, we don't have to earn our way. That's that's a big deal about all these different one world religions and all this stuff. Oh, we're going to earn our way to a do it better place and all baloney. You cannot earn your way to a better place in heaven. You have it. It's the job is done for you. I when I was going through my uh, training in the ministry, uh, we were asked to pose a question of some friends about if um, you were to go to you know go to meet per, uh, uh, Saint Peter at the pearly gates, which is baloney. But if you're what well, what reason would you give that you allow you to enter heaven? And of course, we're coming back from Hot Rod reunion in my '55, traveling at a fairly high rate of speed, so I had a, a captured audience. <laughs> and one of my friends said, "Well, I've always tried to be a good Christian. Hmm, work your way in." Another one of my friends was silent, and the other friend said, "I can't do anything about it. It was done for me two thousand years ago." Bingo, he had it. My friend that talked about being a good Christian, I said, "So you can earn your way in." And the other friend and I talked about, you can't do that. The one who was silent told me later, he says, I just didn't want to give you the wrong answer. You know, we all, and that's what we all do. But that's why we need to be prepared to give testimony for what Jesus has done in our lives. Okay, there. Remember, the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And those who are with Him are called Chosen and faithful. Good. Now, back to it. Verse 15. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Talked about this back in verse 1. This is a worldwide. Look, is going over the waters. It's worldwide. Okay. And the ten horns, ten horns you saw on the beast. These will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. David Guzik puts it this way, and I think this is another thing to think about. This has always been the goal of tyrants and most politicians to use religion for their purposes and then discard it. There are examples. Adolf Hitler. Again, Adolf Hitler uh, quoted Dr. Martin Luther concerning his feelings about Jews, like I say, stupid things that he said, for one of the reasons for his extermination. Uh, messed up. Really messed up. Okay. Go on. Verse 17. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. You know, God has used pagan nations um, in the past to bring his children to, to, to repentance. Uh, we go back to Israel uh, during the Babylonian exile. You know, he, you know Israel was... was we, we, we talked about this back when we were studying Hosea. They were prostituting themselves to foreign gods. You know, and it's just like, just like if you get, get a spouse cheating on you, you know, God didn't like that either. God didn't like the children of Israel cheating on him. So he turned them over their own ways and they got sent off and it was pretty tough. God will use pagan nations to correct his children, which we are. 
Okay. To fulfill his purpose. Okay. Verse 18. And the woman you saw is that great city. Again, we go back to Babylon, which reigns over the kings of the earth. Okay. Finishing this up, I, I just want to say that um, we, again, are in the section of Revelation that is speaking of things to come. Uh, I know that many of the things, I got this written down so I can try and remember this. I know that many of the things uh, spoken of here seem to be what's happening today. But here's something to remember. They're also thought of happening back in the 16th century during the Protestant Reformation. Okay. Uh, again, it gets back to the deal. I said it earlier and I'll say it again and I'll keep saying it. Comes down to what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with Jesus? Where do you want to spend eternity? Do you want to spend your eternity suffering these things that are being pointed out during the tribulation? Or do you want to spend your eternity in the arms of a loving God? Do you want to spend your eternity with Jesus? That is the question. Um, we need to be prepared. Those who are prepared, right, uh, will not be as easily deceived as those who are not. That's why we are studying this book. That's why we are studying the, that's why we are in Bible study, period, is so that we can be Prepare. I say it, and I'll say it again, that all 66 books point to the Savior, which is Jesus Christ. And aren't we grateful? Okay. Questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? Well, again, seeing none. Well, got, I got a small remark. Good, got that tossed in with that. I just want to say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.